Inflation soars. Bitcoin Jesus defaults on $47 million in stablecoins. And the president of Sri Lanka has fled the country for the Maldives. This and more on the latest episode of the Bitcoin Bulletin Podcast. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as financial advice. All views expressed on this podcast are solely the opinions of the host and or any guests that we might have from time to time. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow a particular investing strategy. You sexy sat stackers, and welcome to the latest episode of the Bitcoin Bulletin Podcast. I have been looking forward to this episode all week, despite the fact I'm still feeling a little run down. If you remember last week, I had caught that thing which shall not be named. And while I think I'm feeling uh, better today, certainly not fever induced like I was last week, I'm still feeling a little bit run down. So it's kind of a mixed bag. That being said, You knew there were going to be fireworks today with the official consumer price index numbers being released this afternoon. And quite frankly, I'm actually a little disappointed that that some of my limit orders that I had placed didn't trigger. I was hoping there would be a little bit bigger of a freak out about that. But, you know, in due time, right? We have a lot to talk about, but before we get into it, today is Wednesday, July 13th, and that means it is DCA Wednesday. Real quick before we get into all of that, a look at the vital statistics. We are currently sitting at a Bitcoin blockchain block height of 744879 Bitcoin is worth about $20,255 or 4,937 sats per cuck buck. That's pretty much exactly where it was this time last week, although just last night it had been down around $19,000. In fact, I bought the dip. Again, as you know, I don't include my dips in any of my uh, in any of the stack for the purposes of this show. Uh, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be out there taking advantage of bargains when they come up. Uh, I did put a couple of limit orders in if Bitcoin had hit even lower. For example, I have one out there at like eighteen thousand nine hundred, and one all the way optimistically as low as like seventeen thousand four fifty. Obviously, those did not hit, but I did purchase significantly cheaper than what we're going to purchase today, at least unless Bitcoin dips again while we're talking. If you would like to trade your Peter Schiff bucks, your shiny metal rocks, your little yellow circular coins for Bitcoin, one Bitcoin will cost you 11.7 ounces of gold today. That's up just a tiny bit from last week when 11.6 ounces of gold would buy you one Bitcoin. One Bitcoin will currently score you 1,214 Papa John's pizzas, and one barrel of oil will set you back 491,577 sats, or uh, that will be at the equivalent of 203.42 barrels of oil per Bitcoin. For those of you paying attention, the current market capitalization of Bitcoin is relatively unchanged from last week at $386.7 billion. 
And the mempool is looking a lot fuller than it was last week. Last week, there were 11 blocks pending in my mempool. Currently, it's going to take 22 blocks just to clear the transactions that are pending in my mempool. That being said, one sat per byte transactions will still allegedly clear within a day. Although, it is recommended that if you want to guarantee an on-chain transaction be included in the next block, that you include a fee of 31 sats per byte to do so. The transaction that I like to follow the most, the 24-hour transaction volume, the 24-hour average transaction rate, has sunk below that magic number of three transactions per second I like to see at an anemic 2.64 transactions per second. A lot of this might be just because, as we spoke about last week, pretty much nobody has their coins on exchanges anymore um, with all of the carnage that took place the liquidations and the cascading collapses in the DeFi world. A lot of that Bitcoin has now safely migrated into the hands of the hodlers. In fact, the small fries, people with less than 0.1 Bitcoin per, uh, per wallet address, have been buying like there has been no tomorrow, uh, according to Glassnode and some other uh, sites out there that will visualize that for you. And that is cool because after all, that is what it's all about. And speaking of on-chain activity, we are about halfway between Bitcoin mining difficulty adjustments. We're currently 1,041 blocks away to the next difficulty adjustment. Our last difficulty adjustment was a downward difficulty adjustment of minus 1.4%. As you know, the Bitcoin protocol adjusts mining difficulty every 2,016 blocks. In theory, the idea is to keep the average block time coming in at one block every 10 minutes. That is an average, and as miners are added or subtracted from the network, as mining power increases or decreases or becomes more efficient, uh, that number is subject to change. But right between about about halfway through, you know, a thousand blocks away is a pretty 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 good indicator of where we're going to be, and we're looking at an a decrease in the mining in the next mining difficulty, anywhere between 021 percent. Correction, minus 0.21% and minus 3.1%. And that is because blocks are currently averaging 10 minutes and 19 seconds uh, a block. Obviously, that's coming in a little bit slower than the 10-minute target. So when you would see that, you would expect difficulty to be decreased, and that makes it easier to mine blocks, so they would theoretically come in a little faster, and that 10-minute equilibrium would be maintained. There could be numerous reasons for that. Again, as we mentioned last week, there is the fear that a lot of mining power will be coming off of uh, the network. Uh, One of the largest mining companies, commercial mining companies in the United States, Marathon Digital, was having trouble with almost their entire mining operation. The power plant supplying them up in Montana was completely offline. Um, And with the cratering and the price of Bitcoin, there were a lot of very optimistic Bitcoin mining companies who put in huge orders for new state-of-the-art machines. Machines they owe hundreds of millions of dollars for that aren't even here yet. So um, Marty Bent on his podcast was saying, for example, he thinks that uh, mining equipment is going to get liquidated hot and heavy here before too long and that uh, you'll be able to pick up a state-of-the-art mining machine probably about a third of what it's currently priced right now, I think, was based on the uh, dollar per terahash value that he was parroting, and I don't remember what that was, 
what that was off the top of my head. Obviously, he is heavily involved in Bitcoin mining. That is one of his specialities. Um, I know a little bit about mining, but uh, probably not anywhere near as much as he does. Really cool. One thing I wanted to mention before we get too far into this is that I was looking at my podcast listener statistics and my friends down in Argentina, you guys have flipped Germany for the number two position as far as our listener percentage goes. Previously, it had been traditionally pretty much about half of my listeners were in the United States and normally Germany was number two. But in the last week, Argentina flipped Germany for number two with a full 11% of our listeners listening from Argentina. So thank you for tuning in from Argentina. Uh, that's really flattering. Thank you so much. I don't know what I did to uh, get your attention down there, but uh, what a beautiful country. And obviously, uh, there are a lot of great Bitcoiners in Argentina, a country that's had their currency devalued so many times repeatedly doesn't necessarily need to be taught any lessons about the value of a sound money. I have a lot on my docket to get through. Uh, <clears throat> again, I'm kind of disappointed. I was super excited to get into this episode because I knew inflation was going to come out just raging. Obviously, that's a no-brainer if you've been to the grocery store um, or purchased anything recently. Uh, and I was excited to see how that was going to uh, coincide and all the interesting news stories and uh, freakouts that were going to come out uh, when those numbers were released. But <clears throat> pardon me, I'm still just feeling just a little bit run down. So if I muddle through this again, I apologize. I will do my best. Real quick, I do want to remind you that we are available on your favorite podcasting 2.0 app, such as the Fountain app and the Breeze Wallet. There are nine of you, when I just logged in and checked, who have been streaming us sats using either the Fountain app or the Breeze Wallet while you've been listening. And so thank you very much for that. None of you, however, have done a boostagram, so I don't have any boosts to read this episode. Uh, if you are supporting us through Podcasting 2.0 and you want to say hi, the boost feature is pretty neat because uh, your message, your your tip, your sats that you send uh, come as a, in the form of a message. And so uh, if you like, I can read that. I'd be happy to read that on the, on the next episode, providing that it's friendly, nothing inappropriate or no, nothing that would be... Uh, a blatant shill or whatever. But thank you for those of you who have been listening on Podcasting 2.0 because, you know, it's hard to believe that people would relinquish their precious sats for you. And, um, and when they do, it's really flattering. So it's it's real time. It's super rewarding. I can see it come in. And it's, it's just a really neat way to say thank you. So thank you for listening on Podcasting 2.0. And uh, I'm, I'm humbled. I'm flattered. Thank you. Again, the big news, of course, is that the United States Consumer Price Inflation Index came in at 9.1%. That is up significantly from the what was 8.6% that it officially rang in at last month. Um, you know those numbers are heavily massaged. Before they even released the numbers, the Biden administration and the media was out there letting you know over and over again how the numbers are misleading because oil's actually coming down. If you know anything about the cost of oil in the United States, you know that the summer driving season kicks off with that first big three-day weekend, and that is always the most expensive time to fill up your tank every year. It always has been my entire life. So it's kind of a no-brainer that um, oil should be dipping. But also, as we spoke about last week, whenever you have the economy just completely go off the deep end, when things really start getting bad, you have inflation, things get... 
things get expensive, but then all of a sudden commodities start to tank. And like we saw the price of copper and the, and the price of construction materials tank. And oil is usually the lagging indicator. When oil starts to, t when oil starts to tank, you know things are getting bad. And that's just because people flat out can't afford it anymore. Obviously, even with raging inflation, if people stop being able to afford to fill up their car tanks, uh, you can't sell oil. If you can't sell oil at any price, the price will dip a little bit. And the minor dip, the pennies that they were trying to brag about, are, uh, are pathetically shallow and not uh, very significant anyway. Obviously, we saw that more than made up for in the fact that your groceries and everything else got so much more expensive that here we are at 9.1% CPI. And boy, does that change the outlook for the Fed. Uh, just the other day, I was going back and I was listening to an old Stephen Lavera podcast. I think it was from June 27th, and he was talking to Tour de Meester. And Tour de Meester was basically calling for the, quote, Powell pivot, saying that we were going to have a few more mild hikes and then they were going to pivot. He said that this was not going to be a protracted bear market and that basically it was all going to be over as soon as we see that minor capitulation, which a lot of people see as coming. That's clearly out the window because... Now, instead of talking about maybe a few more mild hikes, people are talking about a full one percentage rate hike at the end of this month. Um, they definitely do not have the data that they were hoping for to be able to um, to be able to resume quantitative easing. A lot of experts out there were saying that you know we're going to have QE forever. The Fed needs low interest rates. The Fed. Um, needs to keep purchasing assets and that this is all going to be a dog and pony show where they raise interest rates aggressively perhaps a few times and then eventually they're going to have to start cutting start cutting rates again or the markets are going to collapse the you know the the economy is going to grind to a halt we're going to end up with a recession or a depression which looks like it's going to be a done deal anyway um, the official gdp numbers come out at the end of this month and when we do when they do it's most likely going to show that we experienced a second quarter of negative economic growth in the United States, and that is the official magic definition of a recession. Now, they do get to massage that number multiple times. This will only be the first estimate. I think they get to revise it three times before the November elections come up, so maybe they'll do whatever it takes to say we're not in a recession, but uh, if you've been out there, you know that things are not looking good. And that's not just the United States. And in the United States tends to be one of the more fortunate countries. There is a lot of chaos going on out in the world. On my list to talk about is what's going on in Sri Lanka. As I, led, as I uh, mentioned in the introduction, the president of the country has fled Sri Lanka. Uh, what a complete disaster. Um, just the other day, the World Economic Forum was holding Sri Lanka up as a champion of its ESG movement, that it was a model, a role model for how it's fighting global warming. And now, of course, you can't get gasoline in Sri Lanka. And the president has fled the country after the palace has been ransacked. Fortune tellers and chart makers have been calling for Bitcoin to run up against resistance at about the 22,000 mark, and that is a level that it did achieve last Thursday, shortly after our last podcast. Um, I think Bitcoin was pretty much right where it is now when we did our DCA purchase last Wednesday, but I, um, it did go up to 22,400 or so on Thursday before trending back down to that 19,000 level where it was last night. I think I saw it as low as 19,200 before I went to bed. 
uh, I think transaction analysis, transaction analysis and charting is voodoo anyway. Some people might find it useful. There are certainly visualizations that can help you get a picture of a certain, um, they can help you visualize or picture a certain setup, a certain, They can draw a picture in your mind and they can help you visualize things in certain ways, but they are certainly not predictive of the future. Nobody can predict where Bitcoin's going price-wise, except for the fact that if you are a true believer, you know that in the long run, because it's limited to 21 million supply, it will be going up and to the right eventually. But as far as its day-to-day -day charts, its day-to-day -day movements, being able to prove where it's going to go by drawing lines on a chart, um, that's that's voodoo. Uh, it's, it's like rolling bones, reading tea leaves. Uh, everybody has a chart. Everybody has a prediction and they're almost always wrong. A little bit of disappointing news from the Central African Republic. CAR, as you know, became one of the second countries to adopt Bitcoin as official currency or as legal tender, or at least to hint that they were going to do so. However, it looks like they are going to go the shitcoin route, debuting the Sango coin to quote, capitalize on its mineral wealth. Well, that was fun while it, was, while it lasted. Apparently, the people in the Central African Republic have never heard of the original Venezuela digital petro. Remember the petro, anyone? Remember when they, Venezuela was going to tokenize their oil? And that lasted days? How long did the petro last before it was officially a joke? Not even days, necessarily. We already just after we finished our podcast last week, I believe it was, the U.S. Office of Government Ethics decreed that government employees who hold cryptocurrencies are disqualified from working on any crypto-related policy or regulation. Kind of like how you can't work at the Treasury if you were to own U.S. dollar or bonds, you know, or like you shouldn't be able to work at the FAA if you've ever flown an airplane because, you know, if you've ever had exposure to the sort of things you're regulating, that would just make the, that would just make you biased and you would come up with bad rules. It certainly wouldn't influence you to say, I don't know, buy large amounts of stock in the companies that the Federal Reserve is getting ready to add to their quantitative easing programs, or, you know, buy large amounts in large stakes in companies that Nancy Pelosi is getting ready to pass legislation regulating, you know, that sort of thing. In a little bit of tasty schadenfreude, according to multiple sources, CoinFlex says that Bitcoin Jesus, Roger Ver, Perhaps the best rage quit in all of Bitcoin has defaulted on a $47 million loan. Quote, CoinFlex previously said an unnamed investor failed to meet a margin call, but CEO Mark Lamb revealed the person to be Roger Ver. Roger Ver. If you've been in this space long enough to remember when, uh, when he decided that um, he was going to, that his ego was greater than the common good and that he was going to become a force for Bcash. And then when the when the phrase Bcash was first uttered to him and he flipped the camera off and stormed out of an interview, one of the funniest episodes ever in Bitcoin's rage quit history. It's just, uh, it's staggering to think that he was once one of the most popular figures in Bitcoin with probably one of the largest Bitcoin fortunes out there. And he sold it all to pump Bcash during the hash war, trying to destroy Bitcoin out of pure ego. And here he is, $47 million in the hole. Oh, how the high and mighty have fallen. 
And speaking of the high and mighty falling, for the first time in 20 years, the euro has fallen below parity with the United States dollar. The whole idea of the eurozone was to compete with a stronger with a stronger currency such as the United States dollar to keep the euro worth more than a U.S. dollar to make it so that um, they would have greater purchasing power than the U.S. dollar, that it would put them in a greater manufacturing capacity, uh, etc. Um, obviously, they always say that the United States dollar is expected to be the last to fall when, when hyperinflation occurs and fiat currencies collapse. You know, the rest of the world's going to get screwed first. The U.S. dollar will be last, but the euro is supposed to be second to last. And clearly, we have watched the euro fall from grace a lot faster and a lot harder than a lot of people had predicted because um, this has not happened since 2020, since 2002. So, 20 years since the last time the euro hit parity with the US dollar. And while I believe it has recovered just a little bit since this story came out, it had actually dipped below the US dollar for a little while, at least this afternoon. If you've been missing Adam Meister at TechBalt on Twitter, the Bitcoin Meister, he teased us on Twitter this afternoon with an interview he recorded with Juan S. Galt, saying he did a 100-minute interview that he hasn't had a chance to put up yet, but that there's a 19-minute excerpt out there. I haven't had a chance to listen to it, but apparently he is in Boise, Idaho, as it gets closer to his upcoming appearance at Denver Bitcoin Week. I know Adam Meister gets annoyed when he disappears and people say, we could really use your optimism out there. He's got some great sayings. You know, he's the original strong hand, long-term thinking Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin guy. Um, and, you know, he always says, guys, I'm out here. But, you know, he, uh, he's basically been doing some retweeting. And I know he's traveling around in his Nissan Versa and seeing the country and enjoying his life. And he doesn't owe it to us to do uh, to do any shows. But... Um, I can't wait to see what he has to say because it's been a couple of weeks since uh, he has done a full show. He did a, a three-minute little mini show maybe two weeks ago, but it, it might have been a month now since the last time he's done a full show. And you remember back in the day, he used to literally do a one Bitcoin show every day and then it this week in Bitcoin every Friday. So for a while, man, he was the original OG strong hand in Bitcoin. And uh, sometimes we miss you, Adam. So can't wait to hear what you have to say. Once again, for the geniuses out there who are shocked by today's 9.1% inflation print, I want to remind you of the infamous Milton Friedman quote where he said, quote, inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon in the sense that it is and can be produced only by a more rapid increase in the quantity of money than in output. The fact that I've said this before, the fact that these people want you to believe that they did not see inflation coming, that they could not have predicted inflation is coming, is both ingenuous, disingenuous, and probably straight up treasonous. Inflation has always been in the cards. It is the only way these governments can afford to get out of these massive debts that they have that they've racked up on your behalf, the generations of debt that they've spent, money that they've your grandchildren haven't even earned yet that they've stolen from you, as far as uh, all this, uh, as far as all this money printing and and, and the taxing and spending and borrowing that these major governments have been doing our entire lifetimes, there were only ever two options: flat out outright default, or inflated away, and. It would just be nice if they would just be freaking honest about it for once and admit that, yes, uh, we did this on purpose, 
But of course they can't because as I believe it was Henry Ford said that if the if the people knew how the banks worked, there would be blood in the streets. There'd be a revolution before tomorrow or maybe I'm mixing a couple of quotes up. But the long and the short of it is um, they're doing this on purpose and then they're lying to you. A little bit of fun news. I was just browsing through the media and I saw that Lake Mead near Las Vegas, Nevada has yielded another treasure as the water levels have been dropping. This has absolutely nothing to do with Bitcoin. But a World War II era Higgins landing craft has surfaced about a mile from the Lake Mead Marina in Hemingway Harbor. The landing craft was not a complete secret. Divers have been touring it for years. There's even an old B-29 bomber that's popular with technical divers whenever the water level gets low enough to reach. Uh, I've spent a decent amount of my life out in the southwestern United States. I've been to Las Vegas and Lake Mead many times when the water level is quite low. Um, usually that B-29 bomber, for example, is not reachable by a normal scuba diver. And every once in a while when we have a, um, well, I, they call it a drought, but it's a freaking desert. It just doesn't rain in the desert. You know, that's why it's a desert. Uh, and then Las Vegas and California are sucking all that water up and using it for golf courses, swimming pools, and drinking water. So when the water level drops, neat treasures get exposed. And it was kind of fun to see the World War II era Higgins landing craft laying on its side in the mud. Certainly a lot more fun than the old mafia barrels full of bodies that they've been finding. All right, before I ramble on anymore, we need to get to the reason why we're here. And again, that is because it is DCA Wednesday. So we're gonna get our dollar cost average purchase on. If you're just following us and you don't know what DCA is, DCA is short for dollar cost averaging. And dollar cost averaging is an investment strategy where you invest your money in equal portions at regular intervals, regardless of price. For example, this is gonna be our 51st stack. It has been almost a year. We started stacking $20 every Wednesday, last July 28th. And so far we've stacked 50 times, $1,000, including $22.50 worth of fees. That scored us a, stack, a stash of 2,455,908 sats, which proves my first point, which was that even stacking as little as $20 a week, it will eventually add up. You can build a, a stack of Satoshis that will be worth something one day, even if you only have $20. Uh, for a lot of our listeners, you know, if you are stacking in Germany or Sweden or the United States, $20 might not seem like a lot of money to you. But if you look at the list of countries where people are listening to my podcast, $20 is a lot of money for some of us. So I wanted to show that even as little as $20 will add up. And I think uh, even though dollar cost averaging is a long-term play and everything about Bitcoin is a long-term investment in general, I think we've clearly shown that even $20 a week will add up quickly. And along those lines. We're gonna to do today's stack with the handy dandy cash app. As you know, I've been using the cash app because I think it's pretty much the easiest way to stack sats. It's not necessarily the cheapest and it might not be available to everyone, but if it is available where you are and you would like to use the cash app, there is a referral code in the show notes. We're not important enough to get a custom referral code, nothing cool. It's kind of alphabet soup. So the link is in the show notes. And if you click that link and sign up, you'll get five bucks free just for signing up and we'll get five bucks free. That's five bucks free for you and five bucks to help out the podcast. So that would be pretty cool. But the other reason I like Cash App is because I usually do not keep any money on my Cash App. And it's one of the services that will let you add it immediately and withdraw it immediately. 
I was just reading on Reddit last night where someone was asking if there was a service that would let them use their money right away. And I was thinking Cash App, you know, it, um, and I guess they, they wanted something that would let them sign up in a day and get started immediately. And I have no idea how long it takes to get verified uh, to be able to use Cash App now. But once you are a user, because I have a debit card linked to my Cash App, I've already added that 20 bucks. And all I have to do now is scroll over to the bottom right-hand corner and tap that B button, hit buy, enter $20, hit confirm, and boom! Just like that, we have stacked another 96,851 sats. That is going to bring our stash up to... 2,552,759 sats, but perhaps more importantly, it has knocked our average cost basis down another 760 something dollars. Prior to this purchase, our average cost basis was $40,718.14. We have lowered that basis now to $39,956.77. That is amazing. Obviously, that's still underwater. That's still more than double or about double what Bitcoin is currently worth. But this is going to be the third, I think, cheapest we've ever purchased Bitcoin. And as long as it keeps staying in this $20,000 range or maybe even goes lower, uh, the cheaper our average purchase price is going to be. And obviously, the more sats we're getting per each purchase, for example... Uh, we have purchased Bitcoin as expensive as $65,969 and as inexpensively, the cheapest we purchased was $19,949 and that $19,949,000 got us almost 100,000 sats, whereas we only got 29,000 sats for that $65,000 purchase. So just right there, you can see how the theory of dollar cost averaging is smoothing out these purchases for us. All right, well, I kind of got jumbled up there and I did have a lot more that I wanted to talk about today, but quite honestly, I am still feeling a lot under the weather and there is a bunch going on in the background that is doing its best to distract me and hopefully it hasn't made my thoughts even more scattered, but um, there's a lot of noise going on in the background that I hope you can't hear because it's really starting to get under my nerves. So I want to end this episode by saying thank you very much for your support. Again, thank you to the nine of you who've been streaming us sats by listening on your favorite podcasting 2.0 app. If you feel like sending a boostergram next time, I'd be happy to read that on the next episode. Uh, if you just want to say hi, you can always follow us on Twitter. We are at BTC Bulletin Pod on Twitter. Or if you'd like to send us an email, our email address is bitcoinbulletin at protonmail.com. And just dropping a line and saying hi for free uh, is fun. I like to hear from, I like to hear from you and, and uh, any suggestions, any things that you like about the podcast or anything that you, anything you don't like about the podcast. Or if you just want to say hi from Argentina or from wherever you're listening to, it would be really cool to get to hear from you. Until then, keep on stacking those sats, you sexy sat stackers.